You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome, everyone, to this Christmas Eve Eve edition of the Wine and Gold Talk podcast. I am your host, Hayden Grove. And today, like I said, Christmas Eve Eve, we are in the midst of, I'm trying to look outside right now. It's 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 a little windy. <laughs> it's a little cold. It's, it's you know, but it's Cleveland. It is what it is. Um, Cavaliers do play tonight. Um, there is no postponement as of right now. Um, they will play at 730 at Rock and Mortgage Fieldhouse. So you better bundle up, Chris, on your way down there. Um <laughs> Cavaliers taking on the Toronto Raptors and Cleveland in the middle of a little homestand right now. They have the, and I, I've emphasized this like two or three times in different yeah, places. Right. The Cavaliers have the most wins of any team in the NBA as of right now. Yeah. 22. There is no team that has more than 22 wins. The best right. team in the West is the Denver Nuggets. And the best team in terms of, you know, win-loss record is the Milwaukee Bucks, followed by the Boston Celtics, and then the Cleveland Cavaliers. But all three of those teams have 22 wins. So the Cavaliers are only one game out of first place in the East, which is, Chris, they've arrived. I mean, we've said this a million times, but it it seems more and more real as we go forward here. I mean, Mike Budenholzer said it. um, This team has arrived. And they're playing – lights out and they play well in the defensive end they play well in the offensive end and you've seen uh, donovan mitchell erupt and, and play just incredible basketball for this team i mean more of the same going forward i I think i think donovan said it really really well the other night hayden um if if you were getting the calves whether it was players coaches or executives in an honest moment they would tell you that they're further along right now than they thought they would be 22 sure. and 11, given all of the complications that they've had with their starting lineup, all the changes that they've had to make with their starting lineup because of injury, because of illness, because of ineffectiveness, for them to be 22 and 11 right now at a time where they're not going to be at their best, right? At a time where they're still trying to figure things out offensively and defensively. What works? What doesn't work? Darius and Donovan trying to build that on-court chemistry that was going to take time regardless because of how different the usage is for both of their players. Given all of those factors and the fact that they've used 16 different starting lineups in the first 33 games, which is unheard of, um, and they don't even have Ricky Rubio yet recovered from a torn ACL, they're further along than anybody thought they would be. Um, And that's exciting to think about Because you feel like, based on the progression of this team, that they're going to continue to get better and better 
with more reps, with more experience, with more games like Wednesday night against the Milwaukee Bucks. Those are the kinds of games that really, really help a young team that is starting um, every single player 26 years old or younger. Yeah, I mean, it's the the game the other night against the Bucks. I mean, they they're showing they're showing maturity beyond their years. They're showing, you know, they're starting to. Yeah, yes. I mean, like there were slip ups early on in the season where you're like, okay, there's a lack of maturity there. Okay, there are growing pains. There are lessons that they have to learn. But the thing is, like, they're learning from those, and they've been better because of those failures. You're right. You're right. And that's, you know, that's a sign in and of itself of maturity. So, yep. like I said, this team is, you know, and, and they're getting Ricky Rubio back soon and they'll have, they have Kevin. I mean, they have they have that veteran leadership that's needed. And I think that's why they're learning from their mistakes. You know, they're not just a completely young team. Yes, in the starting lineup, they're completely young, but they do have some veteran players that have really helped them out. So I think there's a really, really well constructed um, roster from top to bottom and uh you know, you're starting to see exactly, um, you know, what the scene can be. And you're seeing it maybe earlier than expected, as uh, as uh, as Donovan said. Um, we can get into a bunch of things, and, you know, we will. Um, <laughs> you wrote a piece You wrote a piece called um, The Cavaliers Are Growing Up Quickly, Becoming Very, Very Dangerous. And that's kind of exactly what we were talking about, you know. I mean, this team has grown. They've gotten better. They've, you know, they've matured. I mean, what – is it just – I'm trying to, you know, put the put my finger on exactly what it is. It just is it just everything, you know, combined into one. Is it JB, you know, growing with them? What is it? Yeah, I mean, I think it's everything, but I think it's just the time that they needed to start working um, some of these problems out. We knew this coming into the year, and it's still the case right now, Hayden, and it's going to be the case going into the playoffs. Experience is Cleveland's greatest enemy. Bottom yeah. line. They do not have the experience that the Milwaukee Bucks have. They do not have the experience that the Boston Celtics, Brooklyn Nets, Philadelphia 76ers have. And you can flip it on the other side. In the Western Conference, they don't have the know-how of the Suns. They don't have the maturity of the Denver Nuggets. They just haven't been through the same things as a group that all of those teams have been through. So because of that, you're going to usually favor the team with experience. That's an advantage that the Cavs cannot make up. I was talking to Karis LeVert about that in the locker room the other night. I was talking to Donovan Mitchell about that in the locker room the other night. It is their reality. They haven't seen the same things that the other teams have seen. They haven't felt the same things that the other teams have felt. And there is absolutely nothing that they can do about that. There's nothing that can fix that. But the thing that I'll say is, when you go on the road... And and there's no duplicating a playoff environment, certainly not in November, certainly not in December. It is night and day different. And some of these players for the Cavs simply do not know what to expect. And we don't know how they're going to respond to that pressure, how they're going to react in a seven game series when it's all about exploiting weaknesses and masking strengths, when it's all about um, matchups when it's all about adjustments throughout the course of a seven-game series. I have no idea how Evan Mobley is going to handle that. I have no idea how Darius Garland's going to handle that, right? right? The only person in that locker room that has gone on a deep, and I mean deep, playoff run is Kevin Love. And he's probably like, in terms of hierarchy of importance for the Cavs' success, he's probably like sixth or seventh on that list. 
You know, Donovan Mitchell hasn't gone on a deep playoff run. Jared Allen, Karis LeVert, the guys that have tasted the playoffs haven't gone on deep playoff runs. So it's going to be very, very different. Um, But I'll say this, like, going on the road in Boston and being tested early in the season the way that the Cavs were tested, like, those kinds of things help. They help speed up that learning curve. Wednesday night against Milwaukee, right? Milwaukee is a team that has been through a lot together. Milwaukee is the best team in the Eastern Conference. When they start rallying from behind and cut a 24-point deficit to five, and the arena starts to tense up, and the Cavs players start to think, "Uh uh-oh, here we go again, given everything that happened between us and the Bucs in the first two games, and they were a team that sent us spiraling out of Pfizer Forum, like, uh uh-oh, here we go again. But to withstand that, and to withstand Giannis's season-high point total, like, that speaks volumes about the maturity of this team. That speaks volumes about the growth of this team. And again, it's not the playoffs, but it's that kind of stuff that they need to feel and experience. And it's that kind of stuff that's going to make them a better team in March, April, May, and June, if they're lucky to get that far. Yeah. I mean, I, I think at this point you're you're trending in that direction for sure. Um, May, June, whatever. Um, yeah. I was also interested in another piece that you wrote um, because I, I've watched. You know, we've we've watched this team, and there, uh, you know, we've seen different guys go in and out. But uh-huh. the one guy that I've seen that 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 when he's not playing, it's just completely different. Yeah. And that's Jared Allen. Yeah. Um. He's our heart and our soul. Cavaliers, Jared Allen makes a strong case for NBA Defense Player of the Year. I mean, we we know that Donovan Mitchell is probably the most important guy on the team, right? I mean, just in terms of scoring. I don't know. You think Jared Allen, maybe. Okay. I, I just, like, I go by what I believe, what I watch, and I also lean heavily on people that are smarter than me. And yeah. that means coaches, that means executives, that means players. Yep. And everybody that I have talked to over the last week, week and a half, when thinking about doing this kind of piece, they've all said that Jared is the most indispensable player that the Cavs have. Wow. That they would be complete because he is so heavily involved in everything that they do at both ends of the floor. Like, think about how many screens he sets on a nightly basis for Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell. Think about the space that he creates for both of those guys because of his screens, because of his vertical spacing, because of him being a lob threat. And think about what he means to the Cavs being the number one defense in the NBA. Like a big part of the reason why they function the way that they do defensively, Hayden, is because they have him protecting him, everybody. He protects Darius. He protects Donovan. He protects Isaac Okoro. He protects Evan Mobley, just like Evan Mobley protects him. So I don't think, I, I, I think the Cavs would admit that they simply could not function the same way offensively and defensively that they do without Jared Allen and all the things that he brings to the table. So I think Donovan is the most talented player that they have. He's the most prolific scorer that they have. He's the best player that they have. If you're doing a ranking system of the best players in the NBA, Donovan's going to be higher on that list. But the smart people that I talk to will say that Jared's importance is invaluable and he's the most indispensable player that they have. 
And you saw that last year, right? You yeah. saw that when they completely collapsed when he dealt with that finger injury in March. They fell out of the playoff picture and into the play-in tournament. And even with the addition of Donovan Mitchell, you feel the impact of Jarrett not being there. Hayden, four of their 11 losses are without Jarrett Allen. They're a completely different offensive team and defensive team without him. So, again, like, you can make the argument for Donovan, and I'll listen to it. But the smart people that I talk to think that Jarrett is the most important player that the Cavs have, including players in that locker room that I spoke with. I mean, I, I see it on the on the floor. I do, 100%. I see it on the floor. I mean, you, it's a completely different team without him. You know, he brings that level of of not only defensive um, prowess, but just the level that he can lift the offense to with his presence. I I, I can see that 100%. 100%. And you're right. He makes everything go. And, and, you know, now we're talking about defensive player of the year. I mean, who, who could possibly be kind of, you know, uh, coming at him for that, for that, um, that honor. I mean, at this point, you're right. I think he's got to be in the conversation, but who else, you know, would be potentially someone they would take it from him. So I remember having this conversation last year with, again, smart people, people inside the Cavs organization and outside the Cavs organization. And I remember having it with other um, awards voters. And because I had the same problem with it. The, the I think the problem that Jarrett is going to continue to run into is that people, including you, <laughs> they don't know how to decipher between Jarrett and Evan when it comes to who has the greatest impact on the Cavs' defense. Right. Because I think a lot of people will look at Evan Mobley and say, man, he belongs in the defensive player of the year conversation. And I think a lot of people will look at Jared Allen and say, man, he belongs in the defensive player of the year conversation. So which one of those guys is it right? Which one of those guys is more important? And I think they steal votes from each other. Truly, because I have voters that ask me, Chris, how do you decipher which one is more important? Because I think it's Evan, because he thinks it's Jarrett, because he thinks it's Evan, because he thinks it's Jarrett. So when I had those conversations with um, a lot of people about that last year, they said that it was Jarrett that was more important. But I think the reality is that they're going to steal votes from each other. And that's unfortunate. Um, But I think the numbers support Jarrett more so than Evan, especially when... um, Jarrett's off the court. The other thing that I'll say is um, there are, okay, so when you have a year like this and Rudy Gobert's no longer with the Jazz and now he's with the Minnesota Timberwolves and there are no, like, clear-cut frontrunner types, like, you could have a lot of different guys make a case. And I I think that makes it hard, but I think that makes it fun, right? Like, Brooke Lopez has been awesome for the Milwaukee Bucks. He contests more shots than anybody in the league. He leads the league in blocks. And the Bucks have the third best defense in the league. So he's got a case. Giannis probably has a case. Um, Marcus Smart won it last year. I don't know if his case as is as strong as it's been in the past. Avika Zubats from the Los Angeles Clippers, that's a top five defense, and he's the anchor of it. Nick Claxton has been awesome for the Brooklyn Nets. Um, he leads, 
He's one of the best isolation defenders in the entire league at center. And he's also second in block shots. So I, I think you Mikel Bridges was second in defensive player of the year voting last year for the Suns. He's definitely going to be in the mix. He's got to be in the mix. Bam Adebayo of the Miami Heat, he'll get some recognition. So my point is, like, there are a lot of guys that you can make an argument for. But you don't have Rudy, right? You don't have that guy who every single, or Draymond Green, who every single year is going to be in that running or that dominant presence that you expect to be in the running on a yearly basis. So I think that opens it up for somebody new like Brooke Lopez, like Nick Claxton, like Jared Allen, like Evan Mobley. Um, and that makes it pretty fun. Yeah. I, th- I think that st- you're right. The, the, the votes thing, that's kind of, that's kind of unfortunate. You know, that the votes will take away from either Evan or Jared um, because both do such a great job and, I don't know. Maybe they could be. Maybe maybe you could vote for both at the same time or something. I don't know. Like co-defensive <laughs> players. But it, just do like a half vote for Jared and a half vote for Evan, and then that counts as one. I have no idea. But you're. I'll right. just it say does. this. I'll say this, and I understand what you're saying. And and look, Evan Mobley is near the top in a lot of um, these meaningful defensive metrics, just like Jared Allen is near the top in a lot of these meaningful defensive metrics. And I'm not trying to take anything away from Evan. He is a unicorn. He is awesome. And I understand why he's getting consideration. But like, there are these stats-based websites, right? Like people look at cleaning the glass and they look like um, stats.nba.com and they look at P-by-P stats and they look at basketball reference and all these different um, stats-based websites have have the their own way of of tracking offense and defense um and they have their own metrics the Cavs do that as well and i was able to get my hands on them um for this piece that i did on jared allen they were lucky enough um or i was lucky enough to have them share them with me mm-hmm. and i i don't know what their process is for tracking them but I can just say every team in the NBA tracks their own numbers offensively sure. and defensively. Sure. And the numbers that the Cavs have, these came directly from them, point to the impact of Jared Allen being significantly different than Evan Mobley. And yeah. here's the stat that really jumps out at me. Again, these are the Cavs' internal numbers. Jared Allen and the Cavs' defensive rating with him on the court, 105.3, okay? That's better than what the Cavs boast as a team as the number one defense in the league. Their numbers with Jared Allen off the court, their defensive rating, 114.2. That would be equivalent of the 26th ranked team in the league, the Utah Jazz. So that is a significant drop-off, all right? Evan Mobley on the court, according to the Cavs numbers, 112.9. That's their defensive rating, okay? That is equivalent to, like, the 20th best defense in the league. With Evan Mobley off the court, that rating is 108.5. It actually gets better. 
Again, those are the Cavs numbers that they track internally. Now, with both of them on, the Cavs are great. And with both of them off, the Cavs aren't great. But, like, if you're trying to decipher just between those two guys, the numbers that the Cavs are tracking this year point to Jared Allen being significantly more impactful. Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, that could be for a lot of reasons. Maybe Jared's a little just, he's just more, you know, um, big for yeah, lack I mean, of like, a better term. I mean, you know. Yeah, I mean, like, think about the stretch that when they don't have Jared on the court, that means Evan Mobley probably has to play center for the most part. Right. And at this and point in his career, he is not a full-time center. He's just not mature enough physically. He doesn't have that kind of body to battle those kinds of teams. The other thing that you have to look at, and um, if you have time, you can dig into the numbers. Like, okay, who did the Cavs play in those games where Jared Allen was missing, right? Right. And like, what kind of matchup did that mean that Evan Mobley had to take on? Right. What kind of level opponent did that mean that that Evan Mobley and the Cavs had to play against that night? How did the Cavs perform as a team against that level of opponent? Like all those things factor into it. Right. Um, yeah, it makes sense. And, uh, and, and, you know, you're right about Evan Mobley and that he's got to, you know, it's, it's just, he's too young and he's got to, you know, he's, there's going to be a time where he's, you know, physically at his peak and I can't wait for that. And if the Cavaliers have him and Jarrett, when he's at his peak, it's going to be absolutely insane. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that Jared Allen, you know, rightfully so is probably the, um, the better defensive player. And, and as you said, the Cavs numbers point to that. And, uh, how did you? How did you? Uh, how did you get your hands on those numbers? Or does this, does a wizard not reveal his secrets? A wizard does not reveal his secrets. Okay, fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. Um, we talk about Jared Allen with the defensive player of the year, and is it too early? I mean, is it too early to start talking about Donovan Mitchell as an MVP candidate? No. I mean, he's been absolutely remarkable for Cleveland, averaging twenty nine and a half points a game, three point eight rebounds, four and a half assists, shooting fifty percent from the field. I mean. The three-point shot has been amazing this year. He's at 42%. I mean, I've, he's been absolutely remarkable. Absolutely remarkable for this Cavs right. team. So, full disclosure, um, ESPN does a straw poll of, of awards voters at the quarter point, at the midway point, at the three-quarter point, and towards the end of the season to try and get a gauge on what people are thinking for MVP. Yeah. And I'm trying to look back at the the texts. Okay, so almost two weeks ago, um, Tim Bontemps from ESPN, who who puts together the straw poll, reached yeah. out to me and um, asked me to rank my top five in terms of MVP. Yeah. And full disclosure, I did not, at that time, I did not have Donovan Mitchell in my top five. But oh. like... It's very, very difficult to get him into the top five. And it's very, very difficult to keep him out of the top five. You know what I mean? Like, this yeah, is just he's... going to be a very difficult year when it comes to MVP voting because yeah. you're leaving people out of your top five that belong there. Yeah. So, like, I had Luka, Nikola Jokic, Giannis, Steph, and Jason Tatum. Like, who am I supposed to bump out of the top five at that point for Donovan Mitchell? Like, it pained me to keep off Kevin Durant in the top five. But yeah. you can only have a top five. Am I supposed right. to bump Luka? No. Right? Am I supposed to bump Jokic, Giannis, Steph, Jason Tatum? 
in the next round, Steph is probably going to be bumped out of the top five because he's hurt. But I'm keeping KD off. John Morant has a case, given how good Memphis has been. Yep. So it's just, I think the MVP conversation, Hayden, this year is about 10 guys deep. (laughs) That's tough. So, so I guess what I can say about Donovan is that he belongs in that same conversation, but it's, it's a conversation that has a lot of different names attached to it. Who did you have number one? At that time I had Luca because I I think Dallas would be a lottery team without him. Has that changed? I don't think so. Like Dallas isn't as good as maybe Boston and Denver. And that's why you would argue Tatum and Jokic because winning has to matter. But like, I just try and look at value. Right. Um, and, And you can place value a lot of different ways. And I think the value of Luka being the difference between Dallas being the worst team in the Western Conference and a playoff team is pretty significant. Just like the value of Jokic being the difference between Denver being the number one seed in the Western Conference and maybe like the sixth seed in the Western Conference, like that's a difference as well. But like just because Dallas stinks and the other players around Luka aren't good enough, it doesn't mean that I'm going to hold it against him and ignore the value that he brings to the table. Right. That's just me personally. Right. Well, Um, he didn't play, he didn't play in Cleveland. So he's down on uh, Clevelanders (laughs) lists this year. That's exactly right. Yeah. But I think it's fascinating because, you know, Hayden basketball reference has an MVP tracker that, that looks at how, um, how the votes have gone in years past, and they try and predict based on an algorithm. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And I think that's really, really cool. And right now, number one is Jokic. Number two is Giannis. Number three is Luka. Jason Tatum's four. KD is five. And Donovan Mitchell is six. And then, like, DeMontis Sabonis is seven. Because Sacramento, for the first time in 15 years, is in the playoff mix in the Western Conference. Yep. Um, but Zion is going to creep up there as long as yep. New Orleans continues to be one of the better teams in the West, too. So I think it's something that's going to change based on the week, based on the month. And, and maybe it's going to get a little bit more crystal clear the way that it has um, in recent years. Like Jokic just became way too difficult to ignore because like every single stats based model loved him. And the yeah. things that he was doing, we hadn't seen in in decades. Maybe it gets to that point, but right now, I think it's, I think it's a conversation that has a lot of different candidates. Yeah, and I think for Cle, I think Donovan Mitchell's problem is that Cleveland does have a lot of good players outside of Donovan Mitchell. You know, it's it's one yeah. of those teams where the, you know he's got guys helping him and Darius and all that. So, um, I don't think he'll win the MVP, but he's just been unbelievable. 
Yeah. I mean, we, haven't, we haven't seen anything like this in Cleveland since LeBron. And it's just been, right. you know, he's been, I mean, not only, and, and we've talked about it, we'll keep gushing about it. I mean, not only on the court, but just off the court, the way that he fits, the leadership, yeah. the, the guy that he is. I mean, it's just, it's, it's just a, such a tremendous, tremendous fit. Yeah, I mean, I think you hit on it perfectly when it comes to Donovan. I, I don't know that people understand fully how to quantify him coming in and 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 raising Cleveland to a different level. Yeah. Because they won 44 games last year. Yeah. And they were one of two teams that entered the season with three all-stars on their roster, Golden State being the other one. But even though he's got talented players around him, and even though the Cavs' rise started before him, it's fair to say he's taken them from, like, play-in contender and back-end of the Eastern Conference playoff contender to legitimate title contender and one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference. So how do you quantify that? I don't know. It's difficult, but you can't overlook the impact that he has had. There's a different level of belief that the Cavs organization has and the Cavs players have because of Donovan Mitchell. There's value in that. Yeah, there is. And you're right. It's that's exactly the level that it's been taken. It's taken it's been taken from a level of, okay, you know, they're a fun team. And right. somebody was saying this, I don't know if it was you or somebody, they're like a they're a they're a good plucky team, but now they're just a damn good team, you know? And, right. and that's that's the level that Donovan's taken them to. You know, it's it's gone from okay, this is a good team. I don't know if they're gonna win a title. I don't know if they're good enough to get to the level of the Bucks and the, you know, and the uh, Celtics, but right now they are certainly on that level, and we've seen it. Right, that's the thing. Coming into the year, um, well, let's say before September, before Donovan Mitchell arrived here in Cleveland, um, the conversation was Cavs or Raptors, uh, Cavs or Bulls, Cavs or New York Knicks, Cavs or Atlanta Hawks. Now it's okay. Do the Cavs belong with the Boston Celtics? Do the Cavs belong? With the Milwaukee Bucks, like they're closer to the upper echelon of the East um, than they are to those other teams that I mentioned near the bottom of the playoff standings in the East. And that's the Donovan Mitchell effect. And the other thing on top of that, Hayden, is that he was a great player in Utah. Everybody knows that he was a three time all star. He was an Olympian. Um, yeah. He was a guy that helped Utah get to the playoffs all five years um, that he was in the NBA and he was with the Jazz. Uh, he was one of the the most prolific scoring guards in the NBA. So this is not to take anything away from what he accomplished in Utah. He was a great player. There's a reason why the Cavs gave up everything that they gave up in order to get him. Um, there's a reason why the New York Knicks desperately wanted him at one point. But he has become an elite player in Cleveland. His defensive metrics are the best that they've ever been in his career. And this is a career year for him in terms of scoring, in terms of field goal percentage, in terms of three-point percentage, and in terms of free throw percentage. So he has individually taken his game to a different kind of level. Yes, he certainly has. And, and you know, I think that that's uh, – he, he said at multiple points that that was his goal, that, you know – that maybe that this season was about taking his game to another level. And he's certainly done that. Um, yep. 
Yeah, you just with the three point shooting. I mean, we both, I came in the season unbelievable, unbelievable. You, yeah, and you've said it. You've said it. You said it yourself that he was going to be. You know, you you talked to people that said he was going to be better. I don't think either of us thought he'd be like forty two percent better. I mean, that's yeah. it's been unbelievable. On that volume, that's the thing, yeah. right? He shoots. He's a lot, taking. Right? He's taking nine threes a game. The only guys that shoot like that at that efficient clip with that high a volume are like the Steph Curry's of the world. Yeah. So he's yep. shooting like Steph and he's taking the volume of Steph. That's unbelievable to think about. You know, Jason Tatum is taking that volume of three as well. And he's shooting 36% from deep. Uh, yep. Luka Doncic is, is taking that same volume and he's shooting 34% from three. Trey Young is taking that kind of volume and he's shooting around 30% from three point range. So for him to shoot as many threes as, as he is taking, and he is going to smash the Cavs all-time three-point record that is currently held by J.R. Smith. But for him to take that number of threes and be that efficient with it is just, it's eye-popping. Yep. And, you know, I, I think it just goes to show that the amount of work that he's put in, the the, the yep. place that he's at, the comfort that he has, you know, it's, right. he's, I mean, there's really not. I mean, I, I I don't even have the words. It's just he is he is blo- he's right where he wants to be, right where he needs to be at this point. It also helps, and this is obvious. It also helps that he's playing with more of an offensive threat in Jared Allen, right inside. Rudy yep. Gobert's awesome. There's nothing that I'm going to take away from him, but Jared is more of an offensive threat, I think. Um, and, and Darius Garland is the kind of offensive threat that, that Donovan really never played with, at least in terms of like on ball creators. So for one of the first times in his career, like the defense can't load up to slow down Donovan Mitchell the same way that they have in the past. They certainly can't do what Dallas did to Donovan in the playoff series, where admittedly, it was his worst moment in his NBA career. Like yeah. a big part of why Dallas was able to operate the way that they did defensively um, and throw so many bodies at, at Donovan is because of the supporting cast around him. Um, but but playing alongside Darius Garland in the same backcourt and the other offensive threats that the Cavs have, um, that's helping Donovan as well, just like Donovan is helping the entire Cavs team. Right. Uh, it's just it's been so fun to watch and you know we're going to continue to watch as he uh goes forward here um Cavs have two more at home until they take a little mini road trip and they're back for a little bit and then they're back on the road so they have a big road trip coming up uh friday the 6th through um saturday the 14th so about a, a week-long road trip they're taking on denver phoenix utah portland minnesota so chris the cavaliers have been you know the best team in the league at home you know, props to the fans, props to, I don't know, what what, what else, what are the props <laughs> of comfortability, what, whatever else, you know, uh, maybe there's some good home cook in there. I don't know, but props to them for playing well at home um, on the road. It's been a little different. And I think you're, I think that just goes back to the experience thing, you know, playing in yeah. different environments and, and, you know, and hostile crowds and whatnot. I mean, you know, there's a reason they play 41 at home, but they also have to play 41 on the road. So um, yeah. Do you envision that getting better? Or does that really not even, you know, is it just something that is a more of a coincidental thing? Hayden, I think it's got to get better because I have too much respect for the Cavs and what they've accomplished throughout the course of the season. Um, 
for them to be as bad on the road as they have been at times this year. Yeah. Like Darius Garland is too good of, of, of a player to continue to have these drastic home road splits. Yeah. The Cavs are too good of a team and too good of a defensive team to have these kinds of drastic home road splits. But there are a couple of things that I think also go into it besides the fact that um, they don't have the same experience. Like, we know this. In the NBA, role players play better at home than they do on the road. Yep. The Cavs' role players are hmm, erratic to begin with. Let's put it that way, right? Yep. Jetty Osman, by nature, is an erratic player. Lamar Stevens, Isaac Okoro, these guys are erratic players to begin with when it comes to their production. Um, it's it's going to be even more. Um, those those issues are going to be exasperated even more when you're on the road because that's just the way that it goes in the NBA. And they don't have a guy like Ricky Rubio, who I think is really, really important, going on the road, settling down the team, getting them organized, making sure that they get quality shots on a possession-to-possession basis. And as much as Darius Garland is really, really talented, he's a young point guard that is still figuring things out. He doesn't always do the right things that you would want from an experienced veteran like Ricky Rubio. He hasn't seen the same things that Ricky Rubio has seen. So I think the steadiness of Ricky Rubio, the veteran know-how and the maturity of Ricky Rubio is going to be really, really beneficial for the Cavs, especially in the second half of the season. Yeah, I would agree with that. Do we have a um, any more of a timeline? I mean, I've asked this a million times, but... Yeah. With Ricky um, Rubio. I mean, I had heard... I had heard coming into this this homestand, a six-game homestand, that it was probably unlikely for Ricky to be back before the end of December, and it looks like we're tracking that way. I mean, the Cavs have Brooklyn after tonight's game against Toronto, and Ricky's not playing tonight against Toronto. They have Brooklyn after that, and then they've got a couple of games um, to finish off this portion of the schedule before the new year. So it just doesn't seem like that's all that realistic. Um, from the very beginning, I had heard the 12-month mark as as one that a lot of people were referring to, those close to Ricky Rubio and those around the, 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 the team. Um, he had surgery in mid-January. So I think that West Coast road trip, I continue to look at that, okay. that West Coast road trip, where Donovan makes his return to Salt Lake City and they play against Phoenix and Denver and Minnesota. Like that timeline makes a lot of sense for Ricky to come back. Okay. So yeah, I, I, mean, I would about, circle that one. About two weeks. Um, yeah. Yeah. About a little over two. Or, no, probably about two weeks. Um, yeah, it's about two yeah, weeks. Right, yeah. Friday the 6th. So yeah, it yeah. would be two weeks from today. So that, you know, that's a, that would be a very welcome addition, especially with a tough road trip. You know, that would be, um, something they would they would definitely like to see, you know, like you said, for Darius and for you know everybody else in the roster. Um, yeah. Yep. Yeah, but until then, uh, they only have those two little games, or not little, but little trips: um, Indiana and Chicago, and then they yep. are back home versus Chicago and Phoenix. So, yep. yeah, that road trip is one. Of, I think that's their biggest remaining one of the. Um, yeah, it looks like yeah, it's it their is. remaining one of the year. So, yeah. 
then be another test. I mean, you know, can they, you know, just go out and, and win the games that they should win? I mean, you look at that road trip. Um, Denver, that should be a win. Phoenix, that's a tough game. Utah, you should win. Portland, you should win. Minnesota, you should win. So can yeah. they go three and two? Can they go four and one? That's kind of the yeah. um that's kind but of the, the the barometer. They could barely beat San Antonio on the road. So Yeah, exactly. And they didn't beat the I mean Kings. think about that. I yeah. mean, like, yeah. how do you how <laughs> how do you lose to San Antonio on the road? Like how yeah, I mean, I yeah, you're right. I mean, I it is what it is. I have I don't know. I don't know. It. I mean, I I know New York. The Knicks have played a lot better, and they've gone on this run, and it was kind of sparked by the Cavs. But like the Cavs didn't even look like the Cavs against New York. They were down 19 on the road against San Antonio, and they rallied from behind, and they looked better in the fourth quarter and in the second half, but. That didn't look like the Cavs for a majority of that game, and they lost to San Antonio. So, like, they, they struggle with those kinds of teams on the road. So, yeah, they've got to prove it to me, Hayden, that that those wins that you're technically counting in your own head, that you're like, hey, they're better than that team. They well, should I'm win not, that I'm game. That, I'm not saying that they – I'm not counting them. I'm just saying they should win those games, right? Yeah, and they also should have beaten San Antonio and New York and probably should have beaten Toronto on the road. You know, probably sure. shouldn't have needed a fourth quarter miracle comeback against the Detroit Pistons on the road. So correct. Correct. You're right. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. I'm that's all I'm saying is we'll see. We'll see what they yeah, we'll see if things change. If we'll see if they're gonna stop losing to teams yeah. like that. Maybe maybe that maybe that's really the next step for this team is to, you know, stop losing games like the, the ones they've lost to San Antonio. You know, they they just you can't have that. Well or you shouldn't have that. I, I think if there are detractors of the Cavs, if we're talking about big picture and do they belong in the same conversation with Milwaukee and Boston, and I think you got to put Brooklyn in there at this point because Brooklyn is absolutely rolling. Katie has been great. Kyrie has been great, and they haven't imploded. There were yep. people around the NBA, including in the Cavs organization, that were banking on Brooklyn imploding. That yep. hasn't happened. Nope. Um, so I think you have to put them in that conversation too. But the detractors of the Cavs, they'll say a couple of things. They'll say, one, they're too young and inexperienced. They're too ahead of schedule. Eventually, that youth and that experience, um, that lack of experience is going to catch up to them. That's the first thing they'll say. Second thing they'll say is, oh, my God, they suck on the road. Like, wow, what in the world is going on with them on the road? If you're going to be that kind of team, you got to show that you can win games on the road consistently. The other thing that they'll say is that, the Cavs are starting either Lamar Stevens or Isaac Okoro at small forward. And if it's not those guys, it's going to be Dean Wade. Yeah. How can we take a team seriously in this day and age of the NBA, where it's all about dominance of wings? How can we take those teams seriously when they're throwing out those kinds of players, when the other teams have... Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and Chris Middleton and Giannis and Jimmy Butler and Kevin Durant. You know what I mean? They're going to yep. say the Cavs need an upgrade at that position. They need a legitimate two-way threat at that position if we're going to take them more seriously. 
Um, another thing that they'll probably say is that the Cavs don't have a ton of depth and they're running eight guys for a majority of these games, eight to nine guys. And because of that, their stars, um, their most important players are playing too many minutes and that's going to catch up to them at the end of the season. And they'll also say that the Cavs don't have nearly enough shooting. Yep. So yeah. there are flaws to this sure. roster. There's no doubt about that. And the shooting flaw has popped up more and more recently beyond Darius and Donovan. Like who's an elite outside shooter? Yeah, no, you're correct. They don't have one really. I mean, yeah. Jetty's been streaky. Kevin Love even has been streaky and he hasn't been as effective on the court as he was last year when he was in the six man of the year conversation. So if we're talking about the Cavs trying to improve the roster, I think shooting is going to be a big point of emphasis around the time of the trade deadline. Yeah. It needs well, to be not, too. Yeah. We're not there yet, but we will certainly get there. I mean, that's, yes. that's going to be another, you know, it's going to be another conversation. The NBA season is a, is a long one. It's a marathon and a sprint at the same time. So there's still plenty of time for the Cavaliers to improve. And I think that they will, I think they'll, you know, potentially look to improve uh, as they always do. Right. I mean, they've, they've, yeah, they wanted to improve this off season. They always have tried to improve. So I think that will continue to uh, to happen again. Um, Chris, I want to wish you a very, very Merry Christmas. Same to you, um, my man. Yeah, it's uh, it's I'm, I'm glad listening. you get to be I'm glad you get to be home. Uh, that's nice to and you don't have a game to cover. It's it's <laughs> it's a good thing. So definitely can't take that for granted. And I'm glad for you that you get to be home with Elliot and the uh, and the fam for the holiday. Um and yeah, and just thanks for a great year. And we will continue to uh, to push forward. It's been a fun. I, I said to my wife and I said to Elliot, I said, don't get used to this. This is probably the last time daddy's going to be home um, for Christmas. Yeah. Because I think with the way that the Cavs look right now, and if they have the finish that I think a lot of people think they can have, um. I think there's enough recognition about this rise that it's real and it's sustainable that they might they might quickly turn into one of those marquee teams that that gets more marquee games on the marquee slate and starts getting some more national attention. Well, a Christmas game at home wouldn't be bad. No, well, I mean it wouldn't be bad. It it would be better than a Christmas game on the road, but it would right. still not be ideal because no, correct. you're away. You're yeah. like doing something else on Christmas right. other than spending time with get, the fam. Get, well, you know, Elliot will be up at like 5 a.m. anyway, so it'll be fine. <laughs> I mean, you know. That's true. That's, you know, it's okay. I know how I was. I was up at like yes. 6 a.m. ready to go. Yes. You know? <laughs> Elliot a year from now is going to be very different than the Elliot of right now. You're right yes, about that. Exactly. That's a good point. Exactly. So hope my hope is that again, the next year you'll have a Christmas game in Cleveland or something. But yeah, it's don't yeah. enjoy this year for sure. It, yeah. it's, it's it's a great opportunity. The Cavs are at home the next night. You don't have a game tonight's right. you have Christmas Eve and Christmas, which is great. Right. I'm sure well, not only Eve. that, I mean, think about this. The Cavs were home for Thanksgiving, home for Christmas Eve home for Christmas, and I believe if I looked at this right, they're home for Easter, too. So, like, the family-oriented holidays that that matter for me. Thank you to the NBA for doing that. I yes. appreciate it. Yes. <laughs> a great thing to be grateful for. A great yeah. thing to be grateful for. Well, 
Tomorrow we will freeze our butts off at the Browns game, and then uh, oh, so, yeah, it's it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be nice and cool. So people uh, going so, to that are absolutely out of their minds. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, it's it's fair. Um, and I was I forgot to mention. Thank you for reminding me. I'm looking at um, this right now. Tickets for tonight. If you're interested in going to the Cavs game tonight, you can buy a ticket for five dollars for tonight's Cavs game. Five dollars, and and that has nothing to do with the team. That has nothing to do because the next the next game the the high the lowest ticket is fifty six dollars, and that'll be against the Brooklyn Nets on Monday night. So if you want to go to a Cavs game, you might have to if you want to go to a Cavs game for real real cheap, you might have to brave the cold and go tonight because you can get a five dollar ticket for tonight's game against the Toronto Raptors. Um, It's gonna be a chilly one, so yeah, bundle up. I'm I'm going to be inside the arena, Hayden, tonight. I'm yeah. going to be wearing two pairs of pants. Fair. Very fair. I, I don't care. It's going to be so cold outside, and it's always so cold in that arena to begin with, that I'm going to be wearing two pairs of pants. It's a two-pants yeah, day. I'm singing tonight in uh, Akron as of right now, oh. and uh, I, I I think that the plan is to uh, to keep going. So I don't know if I'm going to wear two pairs of pants. I might just keep my jacket on indoors. Or something. Oh, my God. It'll be nice. It'll be nice and it'll be nice and toasty. I'm sure. Oh, you hope. Yeah, I hope. That's right. (laughs) All right, everybody. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Wine and Gold Talk podcast. On behalf of Chris and myself, we wish you a happy holiday season. Definitely enjoy it and uh, stay warm out there. I mean, it is as of right now, it is negative four here in Northeast Ohio. So bundle up, stay warm, stay safe. Um, Go to cleveland.com slash Cavs to read all of Chris's great content and Go to uh, the top of the pa- the top of the page. Click the blue banner and enter your phone number for a 14 day free trial, $3.99 a month for Chris's subtext. You will not regret it. Insight and analysis news and straight to your phone before anywhere else. So go check that out. Um, in the meantime, thank you for joining us. And again, happy holidays, Chris. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to you, my friend. And uh, we will talk to you soon, everybody. Take care.